Great to see everybody out here on a beautiful Sunday morning, summer day, and one elder to let me know that they, you weren't here because of me, but because there's free food. And I told the elder, that's the only reason why I'm here, actually, is <laughs> so we could just skip the message part and just get right to the food, right? But uh, in all seriousness, Jeff did mention about baptism, and we do have Baptism Sunday, second Sunday in August. And uh, it, it, it truly amazes me being in the pastor at some 30 years, 32 plus years, how cavalier we kind of in America treat baptism if it's kind of an optional thing. Jesus crystal clear that he said, if you will not confess me before men, women, publicly, I will not confess you before the Father. There's nothing more important than baptism. You look at Matthew chapter 28, and Jesus is crystal clear on that point. He said, go. So if you consider yourself a born-again Christian, you know, the mission field's out there. Go and make disciples. And what's the first thing you do? Baptizing them. It was outdoors. Baptized. It was a public witness. Telling them to identify with me. Death, burial, resurrection. That is extremely important. So many people are saying that they're a born-again Christian but have never been baptized. It's you're stunted from the get-go, and there's really a question whether you're really born again at all. There's no greater privilege, by the way, than identifying with Jesus Christ. So I really want to encourage you, if you say that you're a born-again Christian but have not been baptized, please, please really consider the second Sunday in August and call the office or call Jeff or talk to Jeff. But uh, I'll tell you, that's an important thing to do. All right, getting on a more lighter note, um, you know, I've been getting questions, and I really appreciate those questions. And one young man um, gave me a question, and then on the back he wrote a joke. So apparently he does not feel my jokes are that good. So I'm going to give you the joke that this young man gave me, all right? One Sunday morning, a, a little boy went up to the pastor, and he said, Pastor, I have a question for you. Okay, responded the pastor. So what is your question? And the little boy said, you know, I learned in Sunday school that Jesus walked on water. He did cut in the pasture, so what is your question? And the little boy said, can Jesus swim on land? Some of you will get it. All right, just think about it. You know, kids are generally a little smarter than we are, so you'll, you'll catch on. All right, uh, this morning we're going to continue our series, Straight Answers, and I've entitled the message, Knowing God's Will, Knowing God's Will. Lord, beautiful day, and it is a beautiful day. What a great day just to worship you, to just focus on you, to just dwell on you. You are life. Oh, if nothing else comes out of this morning, everyone would recognize that to be in your presence there's nothing in comparison to that. And so now as we come and look at your word, we're going to look at a very important topic, knowing your will, Lord. And I just ask that you would fill me from the soles of my feet to the crown of my head, and that the words that I speak would truly be life-giving words from the word of God. I ask that you genuinely would give us soft hearts, soft hearts to receive and ears to hear. 
not to fight your word, but to surrender to it and really find victory in life. So I'm just thanking you for what you're going to accomplish here in the next several minutes, and I just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Skip. Well, now that we understand what God's will is not, sometimes negative examples are good, but not too surprisingly in the questions that I received, uh, there were a number of questions dealing with the will of God and knowing God's will. In fact, there was a classic question of, you are at a fork in the road, and either path you take seems to be a good choice. Which path should I take? Which path is God's will? Does it matter? Someone else asked this question, how do I know if I should take a certain job or not, or if it's just Satan trying to tempt me away from God's path for my life? Now, a classic God's will or knowing God's will passage is found in the New Testament book of Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 9, and there it is. So we have not stopped praying for you. That's Paul. That's his entourage for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. And, you know, I don't know about you, but it would do me if I was a Colossian believer and I found out that the Apostle Paul was praying for me. I'll tell you what, that would, you know, really give me great confidence and solace. I mean, could you imagine the Apostle Paul bombarding heaven with prayers and requests for you? You know, there's probably nothing greater than you can do for someone than to let them know that you are actually just praying for them. You're bombarding heaven for them. And I want you to know that I pray for you regularly. There's nothing probably more important that I can do for you than that. And the question is, what was God, what was Paul praying for for the Colossian believers? And you look at it, and he was praying that they would really know God's will for their life. And how would the Colossians know God's will for their life? And Paul says, through gaining spiritual wisdom and understanding. You know what that is? Spiritual wisdom and understanding? It's this. It's the Bible. It's knowing and being able to understand this. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more at the end of the message. So, uh, you know, the real question then, look what Paul says then at verse 10. He says this to the Colossian believers in verse 10. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. You know, Paul tells us in this verse, if you want to please God, then you must move, you must walk, you must live in his will. That is what pleases God. Please understand, nothing outside the will of God pleases God. And if you please God, it does not matter whom you displease on planet earth. But if you displease God, it does not matter whom you please on this planet And Paul tells us, if you please God by walking in his will, your life is going to be fruitful and your knowledge of him will increase. Now hear me on this. Do you know that God has a will for your life? God has a will for your life. And the key to understanding God's will for your life is that you have to understand that there are three aspects to God's will. And I want to just briefly look at those three aspects. The first aspect of God's will is his sovereign will. God's sovereign will is absolute. 
That means it will happen no matter what. It's going to occur. For example, in Philippians chapter 2 and verses 10 and 11, we're told this, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What Paul is saying is he's saying this, when it's all said and done, when the dust clears, when this epoch of time is over, everything, everything, the entire universe, Satan, the most rabid atheist, Richard Dawkins, everything will be in submission to Jesus Christ. Every living being, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's his sovereign will. I can guarantee you that's going to happen. Nothing is going to stop that from happening. It's not negotiable. And you know what else is not negotiable? Judgment. It's crystal clear. It is God's sovereign will that every single one of us here, every single one who's ever lived, every single one out there is going to face judgment. Do you understand that we have to give an accounting for our lives? Every single one of us has been given a certain amount of time, a certain amount of resources, a certain amount of money. And we have to give an accounting of that. And that is absolutely certain that is going to occur. That is part of his sovereign will. Now, the second aspect of God's will is this. It's called his standard will. In God's universe, there are certain things that are always right, and there are certain things that are always wrong. For example, it is always wrong to murder. It is always wrong to lie and to slander someone. It is always wrong to rape. It is always wrong to steal from someone. On the other hand, it is always right to tell the truth. It is always right to be patient, to seek peace, to love justice, and to be merciful. You see, God's standard will can be summed up this way. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your strength, all of your soul, and all of your mind, and love people. That sums up God's standard will. Now, thirdly, there's a third aspect to God's will, and it is called his special will. You see, God generally does not deal with people in masses, although he has and does. He generally, though, deals with people as individuals. And do you know that there are as many plans as there are people? God has as many plans as there are people. You are not an accident. You are an incident. You are a happening. Do you know that to God you are a very special person? And there's not a person in this room, please hear me on this, that God does not have a plan for. There's not a person in this room that God does not have a plan for you. Now, I believe that it was, you know, God's will. I believe it was a sovereign will that Jesus Christ come to planet Earth, that he died for Frank Ray's sins, and that I get saved, and that I have an eternal relationship with Papa. I believe it was God's standard will that I only marry a Christian. You see, since I became a follower of Jesus Christ, he wanted me to be equally yoked, not unequally yoked. God wanted me not to marry an unbeliever. That was his standard will. But I believe it was God's special will that I marry Susan. Skip, can you put up her picture? You see, I don't believe... I do not believe that it was an accident that Susan and I went to the same high school and we dated our senior year in high school. Now, I was not a Christian at all. 
She said she was a Christian. She thought that she was a Christian. If you asked her, she would have told you she's a Christian. In fact, she could have answered the question, if you were to die tonight and stand before the God of the universe and he were to ask you, why should I let you into heaven? She could have actually given you the right answer. But let me tell you something. She wasn't a Christian. That's scary. See, a lot of people, she was religious, but she wasn't a born-again Christian, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Now, we went to different colleges. She went to the University of Utah, and there at the University of Utah, she had a Mormon roommate, and it was through this Mormon roommate that it just, it just you know, just jolted her and to really think, wow, what do I really believe? And it was there she had an incredible, life-changing, eternal, altering encounter with Jesus Christ that she never recovered from. Now, for me, I'll never forget, it was New Year's Eve, 1979. I was going to my third New Year's Eve party. It was almost midnight. I was not in my right mind. Think Ephesians 5.18, first half. Susan, all of a sudden, she was just leaving the house. There we see each other right at the door. We hadn't seen each other for three years. And I could see she was different. She was actually in her right mind. Now, how many think it was a mere coincidence that all of a sudden Susan and I meet at that house, New Year's Eve, 1979? Anybody think that? If you do, I've got some swampland in Florida to sell you after the service. Now, here, listen to this. So I had a choice. I talked about a choice two weeks ago. I had a choice. I could have seen her and said, hey, Susan, it's great to see you. You look great, blah, 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 and walked right on in the party and got another drink. Or, you know, the Holy Spirit was working on me. And I, I, could, I could honor the tugging of the Holy Spirit, stop, and say, why don't we go to a restaurant? I'd like to hear your story. I'd like to hear why you are different. I chose the latter. And as a result of that encounter, I become a born-again Christian. I get saved. I marry Susan, and I enter, to the, enter the ministry. Do not tell me that your decisions don't matter. Let me tell you, every choice you make right now, every decision you make determines your destiny. Do not downplay that whatsoever. You know, I could have rejected God's special will for me. No, no, I could have rejected God's special will for me. You can too. People do it all the time. You know, the truth of the matter is, though, that God really does want to guide our lives. It says in Psalm 32 and verse 8, this, Skip, can you put it up? Psalm 32, verse 8 says, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you. I will watch over you. Do you understand? David is the psalmist here, King David, and he says, God wants, no, no, he seeks, he desires to guide every single person in this room. He wants us to know his will. He wants us to obey his will so that we can walk in victory. Now, having said that, I want you to understand something about knowing God's will and understanding God's will. It is provisional. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is if you're really going to know God's will and understand God's will, you've got to meet at least two criteria. And here are the two criteria. Criteria number one, there must be a willingness. There must be a willingness. It says in John chapter 7 and verse 17, this is Jesus speaking. Skip, can you put up John chapter 7 and verse 17? Anyone who wants, see that, underline that word, 
Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or merely on my own. Jesus said, if you really desire, if you really begin to seek after God's will, you'll be able to discern his voice. You'll be able to discern his voice from the other voices of this world. Here's the question, though. Now listen to me. Am I really willing to do the will of God? Am I really willing to do the will of God? You see, if you're not really in your heart desiring and wanting to know the will of God, then you won't know the will of God. God will not reveal his will to you. In fact, you know, I heard about this vagabond. I call him the happy hobo. And one day someone just asked this happy hobo, what are your plans? Where do you travel? And the happy hobo said, you know, I just go wherever I want to go. And the person replied, well, let's say you're walking down a road and you come to a fork in the road. How do you decide whether you go left or you go right? And the happy hobo said, it really doesn't matter. I just take a stick and I throw it up into the air and whichever way it lands, well, that's the way I go. And the hobo said, sometimes, though, I have to throw the stick up in the air as many as six times to get it to fall the right way. (laughs) Now, you see, we get a chuckle out of this. But sometimes, aren't we like that happy hobo? Papa, it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't make a difference at all. I just want what you want. I just want your will for my life. But the reality is, in the back of our minds, we've already determined what we want what we want God to do for us. And so we keep on praying. We keep on throwing that stick up into the air until things go our way. And then we say, oh, isn't it wonderful? I have found God's will for my life. You see, if you really want to know God's will, if I want to know God's will, there has to be a willingness. There has to be a real willingness. Not only does there have to be a willingness, but there also, here's the second criteria, there has to be a meekness, a meekness. In Psalm 25 and verse 9, King David writes these penetrating words. He, God, guides the humble. Listen to it now. He, God, guides the humble, literally meek, in what is right and teaches them his way. Now, you know what? We in America, we don't like that word meek, do we? Do we? We don't like that. In fact, we hear weak when we hear the word meek. Meekness actually in the Hebrew means teachable. Do you know that in the olden days when a horse had been broken and trained, they would say that the horse had been meeked or that it was made meek. And what they were really saying is that the horse would now respond to the reins of the master, of the rider. How about you? Are you meek? Are you teachable? Are you guidable? You know, sadly, one of the things that just breaks my heart is so many people, especially in America, just flat out aren't teachable. In fact, my guess is there's just some listening right now, and you're just arguing already in your mind as to whether, you know, you're going to listen to this anymore or whether it's a bunch of garbage, rather than just saying, wait a minute, I'm going to have a soft heart and I'm going to listen to what is being said. You know, there was this teenage boy I heard about. He was in high school. And he, he, you know, he, he was kind of arrogant. And he said, you know, they can't teach me anything down at that high school. And you know what? He's probably right. Because he's already made up in his mind that they can't teach him anything down there at that high school. All right, I want to get practical now. 
as we move towards the, the end of this message and we get excited about eating hot dogs and hamburgers. Certainly it's God's will that we eat hot dogs and hamburgers today, right? There's a man that's on it. But here's the question. How does God guide? How does God guide in a very practical manner? I'm sure there's many of you sitting right now, and, and you're, you, you know, in, in your mind, you're wondering, you've got a question about something. You want to know God's will. Well, how does God really guide me in a practical way? And I, and I think that's fair. And I just want to look at three main ways that God guides a person, all right? First, there is the Word of God. All right, first there is the word of God. Do you realize that much of the truth, much of God's will for your life is revealed right here in the word of God? Do you recognize that? Understand that? Realize, this is right here, this is God's standard will. So I'm gonna tell, in fact, I I don't know if it's true. You know, I, I, I listen to preachers, but I heard one preacher say, he said, you know what? In this book here, in this Bible, it's probably 90% of God's will for your life. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, wait a minute. What about, what, what, what about that special will thing you were talking about? How do I know? You know, you know is, is it contained here on who I should marry? Does it say it here? You know, it says it right here in my page, page 1,323. No, does it say who I should marry? Does it say what house I should buy? Does it say what job I should take? And the obvious answer is no, it doesn't in God's standard will. But let me say this. Do you recognize that if you read this over and over, God gives us principles in here. God gives us principles to understand what we should do. Let me just give you one example. My goal isn't to crunch toes this morning, but it's, it's always kind of fun to do that. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14, we're told this. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can, a righteous, how can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? Now, you know, I, I love, you know, I do the Jesus Soda survey, and, you know, you'll be talking to someone, well, they'll go, well, that's your interpretation of the Bible. And I'll say, well, let's look at this passage here. What's your interpretation? Now, I'm going to ask you about that passage. Is, is, is it not crystal clear? Is, is, is it not clear? Do not be teamed up with unbelievers, okay? Do not. There, there, there's no ambiguity there. Do not be teamed up with unbelievers. Yet, I can't tell you how often someone will come up to me, you know, and they'll go, you know, Pastor, can I talk to you for a moment? Sure, shoot. Well, you know, I've met this girl, Sally. I want to marry Sally. Do you think I ought to marry Sally? First question I ask is, is Sally saved? Is Sally a born-again Christian? And I love this. Well, kind of, sort of, I think. I mean, wait, wait, is your wife sort of pregnant? I mean, kind of pregnant? She either is or she isn't. And here's my favorite line, though, when I do this. They go, well, pastor, how do you know it's not God's will that I marry Sally and then I lead her to the Lord? And I said, what part of 2 Corinthians 6.14 wasn't clear? Do not be teamed up 
with unbelievers. You know, and that really should settle the matter, shouldn't it? Does it? Does it? No, they're going to go off and they're going to marry. Trust me, they're going to do what, and they're, they're going to marry hell. And they're going to come back to me and go, why did God, is, why is he doing this to me? No, I can't tell you over and over how that happens again. I want you to understand something. This book here, this is not good tips. This is not a book of good tips for living the good life. This book is not a book of good tips. It's not suggestions. In fact, it says in Psalm 119 in verse 105 this, your word, the Bible, is a lamp. It's a guide to my feet and a light to my path. So when the Bible God's standard said don't team up with unbelievers, it's not making a suggestion. And by the way, that deals with every single area of your life. It's not just dealing with dating and marriage. It's dealing, trust me, do not team up with unbelievers. You will buy yourself a lot of hell, and I know a lot of people have. All right, practical way number two, God guides us. Prayer. You know, it, it surprises me how much confusion there is about prayer. In fact, I got quite a few questions about prayer. For example, one person asked, what is the purpose of prayer? Another person asked, if God is sovereign, why even pray? Does prayer really change anything? And the answer is, prayer does change something. You know what it changes? You. It changes me. Prayer will change us. You see, the real goal of prayer is not to change the mind of God. Do you realize that God's omniscient? You know what that means? It means that he knows everything. So, in other words, you are never going to feed him a certain amount of information. He's going to go, wow, Frank, you know, I never thought about that. Wow, thank you. Thank you for sharing that information. I'm going to change my mind now. Anybody think that happens? No. See, he's omniscient. You know what the goal of prayer is? Now, please listen to me because you're going to hear a lot of malarkey. The goal of prayer is for your heart and my heart, my mind and your mind, to get in alignment with God's heart and mind. That is the goal of prayer. Should I marry this person? Should I take this job? Should I go to this college? Should I spend this much money on a car? or a vacation? These are the kind of questions that I got. By the way, this is not the real questions. These are not the real questions. Here's here's the real question. Do I really want what God wants? See, that's the question. Do I really? Do you really want what God wants? It says this in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Skip, put it up. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, you know, the average American says, why pray when I can worry and be anxious? Right? I mean, most of us, no, you ask the average person, they, they live in tremendous fear, tremendous anxiety. It's unbelievable. And God gives us right here, he says, why are you anxious? No, no, why are you worrying? Now, watch what he says. Now, this is unbelievable. I love this verse. I live by this verse in verse 7. It says, but in some things, no, it says in everything, by prayer and petition, 
with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So, you know, whenever I get anxious about something, whenever I'm worried about something, whenever I want to know the will of God, I say, look, God, I, I, I don't know what I should do with this situation. I, I've got Jeff Eckstein. He's just he's driving me nuts. No, no, it's not, it's not true. But no, you, you can take anything and you say, boom, here, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what you're dealing with right now, but you know, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know if I should go out with this guy. I don't know if I should go out with this gal. I don't know if I should take this job. You know, here, if you want to start living the victorious life and you want to be free, you go, here, God. And notice it says, I thank him. Now, why am I thanking God? Because I'm thanking him that he's going to answer it his way. Is his way the best way or not? Yes, no? Are you sure? Do you believe it? See, do I believe that? But see, I do believe that. I'm more and more. I'm almost 60 now. And I give it to him. I say, thank you. And guess what? God is going to answer that prayer. He will reveal his will to you. He will either reveal it in a still, small voice when you're, you're quiet with him. He will reveal it maybe through a godly friend. He'll reveal, he does speak through people. God even speaks through Jeff, so you can go to him. Sometimes God just speaks through circumstances that only he could orchestrate. But God will answer it, and he'll answer it the right way. He's absolutely faithful. So let's finally, if this moves into the third way God guides us. God guides us through peace. Skip, can you put up Philippians 4, 6, and 7 now? Watch the beauty of this thing. Do not be anxious about anything, but in some things, everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, look at this, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. You see, the third way you know the will of God, the third way you know that you're moving in the will of God, you're doing what God wants, is you have a peace. The Holy Spirit will give you a peace. If you do not have a peace and you're doing something, you can be certain you're not in the will of God. In fact, Paul, I, I love Colossians, book of Colossians, great. And he says this in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15. Listen to these enlightening words. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. The Greek word is a very interesting one. It carries the idea of an umpire. So what it's saying here is, what Paul is saying is that the Holy Spirit is an umpire. The Holy Spirit is an umpire in your life, in my life. And when Frank Ray gets out of bounds in the game of life, the Holy Spirit blows the whistle and says, stop. You know, maybe sometimes you're praying. Maybe sometimes you're about to do something and all of a sudden it's not right. The Holy Spirit will blow the whistle and say, stop, don't do that. And you'll say, well, why? <laughs> and the Holy Spirit will say, never mind, just don't do it. He does. And you know what? I'm going to tell you something. It's the worst mistake that you can make. It is absolutely the worst mistake that you can make. In fact, I'll end with this verse here in Romans chapter 14 and verse 22. It says this, If you do anything you believe is not right, 
you are sinning. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. Have you ever done something that your conscience just bothers you about? It's telling you not to do it. Maybe a certain program. Maybe a certain movie. Certain job. You, you know, it's just ding, 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 ding. I call this the check in the spirit verse. I have paid dearly every time I have violated that verse. Every time I've had a check in my spirit. Because, see, what God says what he honors is when you move in faith. When you're truly moving in genuine faith, then you have a peace. You're not going to have a check in your spirit. But if you do have a check in your spirit, then you can be certain that it's not the will of God for your life. (coughs) You may not understand why. It doesn't matter. God's not going to always tell you why. That's what it means to trust him, to live in faith. So maybe you're struggling with something this morning as we close. I I pray that you, you look at the very practical ways, the Bible to know God's will, prayer, peace. And if these three really align, then you can know and you can be certain that you are moving in God's will for your life. Lord, I just thank you for your word. And my guess is here this morning that the vast majority of people really do want to move in your will. It's amazing when we seek your will. You said that you will show your will. And to live in your will is to be fruitful. It's not only just to be fruitful in our lives. As we move in your will, it says that you reveal more and more of yourself to us. What a great way to get to know you. And I just ask this morning now that we will take very, very seriously your word on this and begin to truly live in victory. You want each and every one of us to live in victory. And I ask for this in your precious name. Amen. Hi, I'm Jeff Eckstein, one of the pastors here at Bethlehem Community Church. Welcome to our Sunday podcast, coming to you from the town of Bethlehem in upstate New York in the USA. Bethlehem Community Church is an independent, non-denominational, Bible-based evangelical church that includes people with backgrounds from many denominations. We believe that it is only through the love of the Father, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can come into a personal relationship with God. We are people truly seeking a deeper intimacy with God and with one another. If you'd like to know more about our church, please visit our website, at www.bccdelmar.org. There you'll be able to find our statement of faith, as well as more about the ministry of Bethlehem Community Church. You'll also be able to submit prayer requests as we are called to pray with and for you. We also would love to hear your story and how you found our podcast and where you're listening from. So please visit our website and send us an email. Again, it's bccdelmar.org. That's BCC. D-E-L-M-A-R dot org. Thank you for joining us as we continue our pursuit of knowing God and making Him known.